listening to the VC20 Podcast, a space for meaningful conversations and relevant teachings. Tonight, I am so thrilled because you get to hear from two of our young emerging communicators. Would you help me welcome to the stage Isaac Boma and Milani Duarte? I'm going to share a few words about these two. These two have meant so much to our community. If you've been around for any length of time, these two are far from strangers. You've seen Isaac Boma up here uh, most Sundays on nearly every single musical instrument we have. (laughs) He's an amazing musician, very, very anointed and powerful worship leader. We're so grateful for him. And those of you who are subscribed to the VC20 podcast will be very familiar with Milani's voice. She has been leading our Thursday or Friday devotional series. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure that you guys are going to be blessed by her word tonight. I've asked these two to preach on the subject of the joy of the Lord. And this comes from Nehemiah chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn, turn there. I'm not going to require you to stand tonight, but I just want to... Read these two verses for you, starting in verse 9. The Word of God says this, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Milani's going to explain a bit more about why they were weeping in the first place. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you have heard that phrase before? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, I have a heart full of faith tonight that after hearing from these two, we're going to know a little bit more of what it means to live in and to live out of the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Does that sound good to you guys? Awesome. Well, we're going to kick off tonight by hearing from my brother, Isaac Boma. Would you clap for him one more time? How you guys doing? Good, good, sweet, 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 sweet. Okay, first things first, I just want to thank Shane, Ellie, everybody here for giving us this opportunity to speak to you guys. Um, it really is an honor and a privilege, to be honest. I am not a public speaker, so I'm going to tell y'all right now. I, I, you know, standing on stage presenting, that's not, you know, in my MO. Um, so if y'all see me up here, like, you know, stuttering and stammering, just be like, hey, God, please help this man, because you know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on at that point. But um, we have been given the opportunity to talk to you guys about joy um, and the joy of the Lord being our strength. And so the first thing that I want to um, address with you guys is I think sometimes... We can get, at least for me, I used to get joy and happiness mixed up. I used to think they were the same thing. Joy is not an emotion, though. Joy is not an emotion. Happiness is an emotion. You know, being sad is an emotion. Being angry is an emotion. But joy in itself is not an emotion. It's a state of being. All right? It's a state of being. You can be joyful when things are going well, but you can also be joyful when things are not going well. When your life is in shambles and things are not going well, you can still have joy, right? And so we're talking here about the joy of the Lord, right? And so 
when we think about the joy of the Lord, what is it, right? What, it being our strength. What does that mean? It means that it's our hiding place. It's our refuge. It's what we go to when things are not looking too great or maybe when you're feeling guilty or when you're feeling, you know, depressed or whatever it may be. That joy is what keeps us. And so the natural question that we then ask is, how can I get this type of joy, right? How can this type of joy help or strengthen me? What do we, what do, we do to have that? So I have three points that I want to share with you guys um, as it relates to that. Um, the first point is this. The joy of the Lord comes from redemption, right? What does that mean? Joy comes from redemption. That means that the work that Jesus Christ did for us over 2,000 years ago, when he took on our sin and he died and resurrected, that process saved us from eternal damnation. That process saved us from a life that would lead to eternal damnation. He's given us a second opportunity. He's given us eternal life, right? And so that in itself is good news, right? That in itself is something to be joyful about. But let's think about this as it pertains to sin. Let's look at uh, Psalm 51. David is praying a prayer here. Psalm 51, verses 12 to 14. Um, And David says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Now, if you get a shot to get the context of this passage, go ahead and read Psalm 51. It's a really, really, really great passage. It's a prayer that David's praying of repentance. It's, it's the best, trust me. Um, but David is asking two things here. He's asking for the Lord to restore unto him the joy of his salvation, right? So what is he essentially saying? He's saying that he wants the Lord to remind him of the joy that is Jesus coming to die for us, right? Because in that, we have grace. We have mercy. We have an opportunity to to not die for our sin on the spot, right? Imagine if you sinned and God struck you with lightning every time you sinned. Or he turned you into a pillar of salt every time you sin. Or he wiped you in a flood every time you sin. We, we'd all be screwed. We'd all be dead, right? But Jesus has come and done something extraordinary for us. And so we should have joy in that, right? Now, the second thing he says here is that he should deliver David from, from guilt, right? And that seems like an interesting prayer to pray, right? Why would you ask God to deliver you from guilt? We think sin, we think guilt, right? The beautiful thing about it is being saved and redeemed in Christ means that for the sin that we commit, God in his infinite wisdom has covered it through Jesus. That's our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin, right? So in that, that's great news, right? In that, our guilt shouldn't throw us into a state of worry or depression, right? What it should do, rather, is encourage us to grow, to utilize that grace and that mercy that we have in order to grow in ourselves, to grow past it, to grow in repentance. But this is good news, though. We should not be uh, uh, depressed or sad when we go through sin. Now, what I'm not saying, though, is that when sin happens or you, you know, fall in a state of sin, then you're just like, oh, well, grace is there, cool, and then you move on to the next thing. But it is great news that even though we have the sin that we go through, there is joy in the redemption and there's joy in salvation that God has given us. So in those moments, instead of feeling down, instead of feeling, you know, woe is me, 
We should remember the joy of our salvation. We should remember the fact that God loved us so much that he gave us a pathway to have eternal life with him. So um, I want to go to our second point here. Uh, And the second point is that joy comes from being in his will. That's a, what do I mean by that, right? So let's, let's look at John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11. Um, in the passage, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. See, when we're in the will of God, joy follows suit, right? There's two things that we want to point out here. The first is that Jesus says here that my joy may remain in you, okay? So the big thing to understand here is that you don't work for God's joy, right? God has joy in you as a nature of being a child of God, right? So we don't work for God's joy, right? But he says that my joy may remain in you. I want you to essentially obey me. I'm paraphrasing here. I want you to obey me. I want you to live in my will. All right. So we have two things that kind of goes along with that. The first is the written will of God, which is our Bible, right? The words he's given us that we can use to follow. But the second thing is your personal will, right? That's the thing that God tells you to do individually, right? So for me, my will may not be the same as Milani's will which may not be the same as anybody else in this room's will, right? But obedience to that will allows us to step into God's plan and God's purpose for us. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have seen that meme that like, it says like your plan, it's like a straight line from the start to the finish. And it says God's plan and it's, you know, you start here and then there's like hills and valleys and sharks and piranhas and all that type of stuff. It's crazy stuff, right? So <laughs> that stuff, it seems scary. Like, and it definitely is, but, but, The beauty in it is that you are following the will of one who creates wills. You're following the author and the perfecter of this universe. You're following the creator of the world. You're following someone who has the best plan for you that you can ever think of. Like our plans, like his, he says, his ways are above our ways, right? So whatever our ways, whatever we think is great, God has a way better idea. That doesn't mean though that it's gonna be perfect, but we can have joy in the fact that it is the best plan available, right? God has given us the best plan that there is. And so we have joy in that. Now, the beauty in it, too, is that the Lord says that he will be with us. He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And so when those things get tough, when times get tough, the Lord is with us through that will anyways. And so I just want us to, to think about how being in his will sometimes, like I don't know how many of you guys in here have been called to do something and you feel um, nervous about it, you feel scared, like I mean, you're looking at one right now. Um, you feel freaked out about it, right? But the Lord is with you and it's the best plan that you could have ever come up with yourself. And so that joy strengthens us. Now I want to talk about one more point, and this is the point I really kind of want to hit on here, which is joy drives out doff. Now, doff is not a word. I know y- y'all probably figured that by now. <laughs> doff is not a word. Um, doff is an anagram, all right? What doff stands for is depression, anxiety, worry, and fear. Okay. 
Joy, I know, right? <laughs> I'm trying to be creative. Joy is, well, let me, let, me, let me go back and say something. That's not to say that if you have, or you're in a state of depression, anxiety, worry, or fear, that there's like something wrong with you, right? That doesn't mean you're a horrible person or like, you know, you're, you're going to hell or whatever. That, that's not what that means at all, right? But what that means is that God essentially doesn't want us to stay in a state of depression, of anxiety, of worry, of fear. He wants to drive that out. He wants to replace that with his joy. He wants to replace that with his joy. See, the thing about Dolph, I'm going to use Dolph for the rest of the night, by the way. Um, the, thing about Dolph, <laughs> the thing about Dolph is that Dolph doesn't give us strength, right? Doff doesn't give us strength. Depression doesn't give us strength. Anxiety doesn't give us strength. Worry doesn't give us strength. And fear doesn't give us strength, right? But what does give us strength is joy and the joy that comes from the Lord. And so as I was going through and I was thinking about what, what, to, what to say here, I really felt that God wanted to drive that away from people here, that Maybe some of you here are, are dealing in a, uh, with a state of depression or anxiety or worry or fear, and God wants to replace that with his joy. He wants to give you his joy instead. He wants to fill you with his joy. He doesn't want you to stay in that state of doff, but he wants you to grow in his joy. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know, but I... I um, it's, it's an interesting parallel. I'm, 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 kind of, I'm thinking of something right now, and so I, just follow me here for a second. Have, you, have y'all ever been in a situation where you felt like all hope was lost, right? Whether it's because of a sin you fell into or whether it's because you feel like your world is in shambles, whether you feel like uh, something's not going according to plan, right? The interesting thing about it, though, is that God's plan and God's will for us is to always be joyful. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. He doesn't want us to have these moments of worry or fear. He says in his scripture so many times that we should not worry, that we should not fear. Yet we should replace that with God's joy. And so what, what I want us to do, um, or what I would encourage you to do um, tonight as we get into to ministry time is if you feel like that's you, if you feel like you're going through a state of depression, anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, guilt, you name it, um, I feel very strongly that the Lord is trying to replace that with his joy in this moment. I feel like he really wants to do that um, tonight. And so, um, yeah, those are my three points, guys. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm almost out of time. Yeah. So, um, I want to I want to pray for us real quick, uh, just a super quick prayer, and then I will pass the mic off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We are grateful for this opportunity, Lord. We are asking that any feeling of of depression, anxiety, fear, worry, guilt, um, whatever it may be that we may be feeling in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your joy instead. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the joy of your salvation, and the joy of redemption, the joy of being in your will, and that joy is what strengthens us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.
Now I want to introduce to you guys my sister, Milani. Give it up. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm Milani. I, yeah, I'm excited to be here with you guys. It's good to see you. Um, Shane already read um, a little bit of the text, but I am going to read a little bit more. We're going to start in verse 5, actually. And give me a second. I'm going to find it. Okay. All right. So it's Nehemiah 8, verse 5 through 12. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. He had opened it. All the people stood, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, lifting up their hands, hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Messiah, <laughs> Kalira, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, I should have just said the Levites, <laughs> helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who thought the people, said to all the people, the day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to your God. And do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, that last verse is a very popular. I'm sure some of you guys have heard it before. Shane did that earlier. A lot of hands went up. And also, I'm sure you guys have seen it in somebody's Instagram. It's very popular. But to me, when I read that text, what stood out to me was not that verse in particular. What stood out was why they were weeping in the first place. So as I prepared this, I just, that's how I went about it. Why are they weeping in the first place? We've been in Nehemiah for a very long time, and I'm sure you've caught on by now that Nehemiah is not actually just a story about building a wall. There is so much more to it. I learned that Nehemiah and Ezra were first one book written by one person, and they tell the story uh, after the Jerusalem temple was destroyed that Israelites had gone into exile. It's telling the story, both of them together, telling the story of them coming back and rebuilding their lives. Really, it's a story about the people of God coming back to worship. So taking that into consideration, I think that they were weeping because they remembered their sin. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the word of God corrects us and then it tells us how to change. And so I think as they were listening to that, they were remembering their sin, 
If you remember, Pastor Ellie preached on the book of Jeremiah. The Israelites were taken into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar because they had committed idolatry and had sinned against God. Point here, pause. I think when we read stories like that, it is so easy for us to label them as classic Old Testament God, like there he is (laughs) punishing people. But if you remember in Exodus, they had signed or agreed to a covenant with God. They, had, they knew the consequences of sinning. They knew they shouldn't sin, and yet they did it anyway. It's like if you and I were going into marriage and we know that adultery is grounds for divorce, and then we do it anyway, right? We shouldn't be surprised at the end. And so they knew the consequences. They knew they shouldn't do it, and so they did it anyway. I can imagine that they heard the word of God as it was saying, Ezra was reading it over them, and they were just reminded of when and why they were exiled in the first place. They were reminded of the weight of their sin and felt convicted, and they were weeping because they were repenting. Nehemiah then does does this really weird thing where he turns to them and he just says, do not weep for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I think he's saying in his words, you can walk in joy because your God is a redeemer. Yes, you are a sinner. Yes, you have sinned. But see, he's restoring. It said that Ezra was reading the law, which is the first few books of the Bible. He was reading Exodus. It was the story of how the, God delivered them from Egypt. They were reminded of how God freed them in Egypt. So he's saying, look, your God has been faithful to you. He is restoring you. So whenever we read the Bible, we should always have in mind, what does this mean? for me today. What does this mean for me and what does this mean for you, us in this room right now? It is hard for us to understand this text, specifically to understand the joy of the Lord as our strength, because to model what the Israelites did, to repent, to weep over our sin, to own it to the point that we are weeping over it is so counterintuitive. It is countercultural to own our sin. We are not encouraged to address our sinful patterns. Instead, we are offered many false joys to avoid them. And that's through distraction, numbing. We have social media, we have Netflix, we have so many ways to distract. I work in the mental health field, and I am encouraged by the increase in mental health awareness in our communities, yet I have seen just the ways that therapeutic language is used to justify why, to explain how, why we do something, and then justify why we do it. If it's hard, if it requires us to change, it is automatically labeled as lacking self-love. 
and it looks like this. Sorry, I yelled at you last week. My dad had anger issues. I do too. And we have the awareness, which is great. We have the awareness, and yet we lack no desire to change that. Our sin isn't something that is external to us. The way of Jesus is different. We live in an upside down kingdom, not like Stranger Things, upside down as in the way of Jesus is often the opposite of what culture is telling you you should be and how you should react and how you should show up. And so Jesus would say, it is not through numbing, avoiding, distracting, that we experience joy, but through owning our sin as our own. Not running from them, they are not external from us. We don't, you don't sometimes lie, you're a liar. <laughs> Own it. Uh, you have an anger issue, but it is the key. How are you pursuing freedom? Yeah. I had a really traumatic upbringing, and when I moved to Ohio, I just, like, I just brought that stuff with me. Freedom for me has come when I have own my sinful patterns as my own. And yes, God is with me and mourns with me, mourns the fact that the decisions of other people have impacted how I show up in rooms and how I respond. But our God is a God of freedom who restores. And so freedom has come when I have owned how I show up, how my, my decisions impact other people. We cannot say we believe in a God of freedom and a God who restores and rebuilds and yet remains stuck in our unhealth. God is always, God is always restoring us back to himself. That is the God that we believe in who doesn't leave us where we are but wants change and freedom for us. And that should spark joy. And that joy and that truth is our strength. Let me explain this biblically. So Paul does this really intense and annoying thing that, you, that can get in your nerves until you understand what he's doing. All throughout the Gospels, he will always remind you of who you used to be. He does it in Romans 1, Titus 3, 1 Corinthians 6. He will say, you were liars and cheaters and foolish and enslaved to all types of pursuits. And it just, it hurts. <laughs> but he doesn't quit. He does it over and over and over again. Why doesn't he quit? I think that Paul understands that it isn't through numbing and avoiding that we experience joy. It's through owning our sin that we have access to true joy. True joy is, once we, true joy is when we grasp that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. At the end of every rant, he always includes but. But God, who is merciful in love, but 
God, our Savior, saved us, but you are justified in God and his Holy Spirit. And in that we rejoice, that sparks joy. And the fact that God is a restorer, he doesn't leave us where we are. He is always restoring us back to himself. Guys, God is holy. And that means he is separate. Don't mistake that by saying he's distant. He is not distant, he is separate. And yet he is mindful of us. David put it this way, he said, Lord, who am I that you are mindful of me? God is mindful of us. He is present to us and he is present to our sin and he wants freedom for us. We cannot truly grasp the magnitude of the cross unless we own our sin, unless we stop numbing and distracting. It is those false joy that rob us of the joy that we have in Jesus. And that is why the Israelites weep. God restored them in Egypt. God restored them in the time of Nehemiah. And that invitation is for you and I today. Maybe there's a question of how do we move forward? First, I would say, do as the Israelites did. Confess and repent. There's freedom for us when we say the things that we are struggling with, specifically, especially the things that cause us to feel shame out loud. Practically, that could look, you pick a friend and you just confess regularly. Make it a habit. And then two, consider faith walking. When I did it, it was called faith walking. Now it's called emotionally focused. It's like they're picking names out of the discarded pile. But don't, don't allow that to turn you off. It's a program that just has, it's a great tool to help you name the unhealthy patterns that you live in and feel stuck in and then gives you accountability for change. I have done it, I know a bunch of people have done it. Jeremy Sams has done it and has a great testimony. So if you wanna know more about it, it's a great program, come find us. We would love to share that with you. And then lastly, uh, celebrate. Nehemiah encouraged the Israelites to celebrate. He said, go eat all the fat and drink the sweet wine. Some of my friends and I, um, we have a habit of celebrating regularly. We will sit with one another by really cheap champagne. Uh, if you're not 21, apple juice is fine. <laughs> you know, it's really cheap, so you can't really tell the difference. And we just sit around and we rejoice in the things that God has done. And we, yeah, we just go around and say, you know what, this, this month I'm celebrating that I used to be like this and God has made me and helped me be like this right now. And, and I think it just, it does something to our hearts. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna go into prayer ministry. I would say, this is great. <laughs> if, as I spoke today, you experienced some shame, I wanna say that that's not from the Lord. There is more grace for you available than you are picking up. God is with you 
and shame is not from the Lord. We would love to pray for you, Ellie, Pastor Shane. Come find find some of us. We, there might be some people up here preaching, not preaching, praying. Uh, yeah, come find us. And then, lastly, if there's some resistant that resistance that you feel, I also want to say, of course, you feel that. That's that makes sense. We have been conditioned to not talk about these things. So it makes sense that you would feel some resistance, but that doesn't mean that we don't lean in. Actually, as followers of Jesus, we lean in all the more. Um, Yeah, come find us. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to the BC20 podcast. Make sure to subscribe for more sermons and intentional conversations. You can also check us out online at bc20.com.